to the Attractions Group Podcast. This is episode 68. I'm Ryan Sir, along with Don Helbig. Don, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Ryan. How about you? I am still on cloud nine after this weekend. You know? Yeah, yeah, we had a great time with the first ever Attractions Group Podcast meetup. It was held at Entertainment Junction in Westchester, Ohio. Uh, great turnout. Uh, it was great to put... Uh, some some faces and names to the the folks that are listening to us. Really appreciate uh, that you spent that Saturday afternoon with us. It might have gone a little longer than uh, you know everybody might have anticipated. We started at uh, one and it was about what four or four thirty before everybody departed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just a great time. And if you missed the first one, uh, we're going to be doing some other meetups as we we move along here. Yeah, um, you know, more information on that to come. But uh, I want to thank Entertainment Junction for being way above and beyond for everybody. Um, for those of you who didn't get to attend, um, Entertainment Junction was very accommodating. And they, first of all, they gave everybody a special backstage tour uh, up behind the train display on the second level behind a bunch of like, the trains and the mountains and stuff like uh, they called it the mezzanine area. Uh, and that is an area that is not accessible to anybody, including their VIP tours. That's just something for maintenance. And they let everybody go up there and take photos and see everything. And that was absolutely incredible. Uh, the other thing was we, what we didn't know uh, going into it was that they offered us one of their party rooms. So we were able to collect after everybody went through the train display and do a Q&A, which was going to be a half hour and ended up being quite a bit longer than that. But I had a pretty good time. What did you think, Don? No, just an outstanding time. And it was not, uh, you know, a whole lot different than when there's been different events that I've been involved with, you know, at Kings Island or any other park, you know, where everybody gets together, like-minded people, um, you know, and then you saw afterward, you know, when we were all ready to leave that even in the lobby of Entertainment Junction, people that had not met each other before now seem to know each other pretty well by the end of this meetup. And they're exchanging, uh, you know, their their text numbers and, you know, here's how you can follow me on X and those kind of things. And, uh, you know, that was awesome. That's what that's what the goal was, just to get like minded people together and and, uh, you know, meet some new people, make some new friends. And, you know, as I mentioned, we'll be doing uh, these meetups in the future. And, uh, you know, there'll, there'll be some meetups that we're going to do at at some parks in uh, different locations right. as well. So I, I think you just want to keep following the Attraction Group podcast, follow our social channels, and uh, you'll, you'll be able to find out when these future meetups are going to take place. And where can they find more information on the podcast? Well, before we dive into this episode's topic, uh, we'll remind everybody that you can find the Attractions Group podcast on your favorite podcast platforms, and be sure to subscribe, like, and share with your fellow attraction enthusiast. Well, Don, like I said, still coming down from that natural high of uh, a very successful meetup. By the way, I want to tell you that... uh, Spoke on the phone with the, well, I, I was, this was probably in person, but with the owner of Entertainment Junction. And he said, how many people do you think are going to show up? And I said, I'm not really sure. Like, I honestly have no idea. And he said, but at least 20, right? And I was like, no, it won't be that many. It'll be between five and 10 was my optimistic expectation. And I remember he grabbed me about halfway through and he said, I thought you weren't going to have 20. This is way more than 20. So I'm very happy with it. And, and Ryan. 
Who was optimistic and said we get over 20? Who said that? You were optimistic and said we get over 20. Yeah, because I know what I'm talking about. Know you, what I'm doing. I knew this You guessed work. correctly, sir. So you get a cookie. But you know what? It's not all about us. This is such an important weekend. Weekend. It's an important week for the theme park industry because it is IAPA week. And as you can see, if you're watching the video, we are not at IAPA this year. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to cover everything that was announced so far, all the train reveals and stuff. This is going to be a fantastic episode. So, Don, why don't you take off with our first little tidbit? Um... Well, yeah, the IAPA Expo kind of unofficially began on Sunday. You had more than 125 attendees swinging their clubs for a good cause, the 20th annual IAPA International Charity Golf Tournament uh, took place. It was benefiting Give Kids the World Village, which is located in Orlando. So it raised funds and created new connections, you know, as the, as the players networked on the links. Uh, Give Kids the World, can't say enough great things about them. Uh, so it was great to see this is the way that event kicked off. Yeah, the annual golf outing, that's, that's always a fantastic way to start. Uh, so the expo runs through Friday. Um, th this year, the global convention is anticipated to attract 35,000-ish 30, people, which is a lot of people, <laughs> and to boost the local economy by $105 million. Yeah, you think about that, 35,000 people staying in the hotels, they're eating at the restaurants, in cars at the airport, they're going to the different shopping locations, you know, just really spending a lot of money. So it's, it's a great event uh, for the Orlando economy. Uh, the largest gathering of professionals in the global attractions industry, it actually started today. Uh, this is a Tuesday that we're recording this. Uh, just right around 10 a.m., that's when the, uh, the, the show floor opened and the attendees, the buyers, you know, they all flooded more than nine miles of aisles and began canvassing the trade show floor. Uh, you know, they're seeking the latest innovations, products, and services. When I mentioned nine miles, having done that last year with you, you get a lot of walking in. Yeah. So first bit of advice would be uh, gym shoes. Definitely dress comfortably. Um, it's funny. Our business partner, David, always mentions that you see CEOs, these companies walking around in suits and gym shoes. Uh, and you can see why, because even if you're dressed comfortably, uh, you feel pretty terrible by the end of the day, all that walking and stuff, but it's so worth it. It's such an incredible experience, and especially if you're interested in the industry, uh, just to seeing how many hands are in this stuff and who makes what and being able to talk to these people that manufacture this stuff that you've only really heard about in name and the products that they've output is just such an incredible experience. Um, but let's hit up some of the highlights uh, that we had this year. So the first one being one of the ones I'm most excited about and uh, Cedar Point and Zamperla uh, unveiled the Top Thrill 2 train on the IAPA show floor. Uh, Top Thrill 2 reflects the longstanding collaboration between Zamperla and Cedar Point. Um, you know, they started as a manufacturer of kitty rides and they've grown for over three decades, providing various attractions to Cedar Fair, the parent company of Cedar Point, as well as other parks around the world. Uh, but if you've seen that train, mm, that is a good looking train. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, they did a good job. Did you do, do you think it looks better than the old the trains? The, the the Intamin trains? Oh yeah. You think so? Miles, miles better. It just and just looking at the the pictures of them, I mean, it just says comfort, screams comfort, you know, that it's gonna be um, you know, you know they're lighter. 
the wheels. Did you see the size of the wheels when you're looking at the video and the pictures? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible looking that way. But it's just, uh, you know, the cars are stunning. Uh, I think it's really going to look great, you know, as guests. Uh, you know, they're boarding the train, they're riding it, you know, you're looking from the midways at it. Mm. Um, you know, to me, it's, you know, just going to really be part of what's going to make this ride spectacular. Yeah. And it was funny because I was looking at the, uh, the restraints and the restraints have, it's, it's not over the shoulder, but it is a lap bar that comes over your head. Kind of like, uh, um, what's the one at Carowinds? I can't think of it. The, the latest Carowinds. Uh, Cobra, I'm losing my mind here. Anyway, it's like the mock rock. Copperhead Strike. Yeah, Copperhead Strike. Strike. That's it. I was thinking Cobra, uh, Cobra's Curse, but that was the wrong park. Yeah, it's a lot like Copperhead Strike in terms of it comes over the head, but it sits on your lap. Uh, they look really comfortable. Uh, we sat in the train. It felt comfortable. We weren't going 200 kilometers per hour, but I'm I'm so excited for it. And I think that the lighter trains might be something that the guests can actually feel. Because doesn't it feel different to ride in like a Ford F450 as it does, it feels different from that in a car, in a Toyota Camry. Oh yeah. I think it does. And you look at these, yeah. And you look at these trains too, uh, from a maintenance perspective, there's not as much to them, you know, in terms of how many different things are bolted together on this. So I think that's going to make it a little bit easier, a little more reliable, uh, for Cedar point that there's not going to be as much maintenance needed on these. And, you know, again, it's just, you know, really caught my attention with the, uh, the, you know, the revealing of it today. And, you know, we knew what it was going to look like because we'd seen it before. But in terms of this being the Cedar Point coaster with the colors and everything, um, you know, just spectacular. A lot of buzz about it today. Saw a lot of uh, the attendees, you know, posting pictures of them sitting in the car. Um, you know, can't wait to ride it. What about you? I would say that's probably my most anticipated new ride of next year. Um, I'm super excited for it. I've always loved Top Thrill Dragster. Top Thrill 2 is going to be even longer with a new tr new trains. Um, and we're going to see what Zamperla has to offer. And I think this is going to be a perfect showcase of whether they got it or they don't. And uh, Zamperla, if you're listening, we're, we're all in your corner. Let's make it great. Yeah, just thought, yeah, again, that's one thing we, you know, you, you can't be remiss about it, that it's a very important um, you know, project for Zamperla, and it's very important for Cedar Point that this works. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Moving on. Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters Incorporated, one of our favorite manufacturers out there. Um, they're exhibiting for the 100th time at the IAPA Expo. Mm -hmm. They debuted a new custom train designed for the most iconic roller coaster at Hershey Park. I'll be there this weekend. Uh, the Comet. Uh, the new custom trains will feature a dazzling three-tone blue color scheme adorned with a uh, celestial theme that kind of harkens back to the early 1970s, but it's got a modern twist. Uh, the lead car in particular, it boasts a sparkling star blazing across the track, uh, leaving a shimmering tail in its wake while gold trim and the diamond details add an extra touch of elegance. I'm really excited about this, the Comet, and I'm one of the, you know, few people, you know, everything now is bigger, you know, the steel kind of has emerged in that, but when I started uh, riding coasters, there was, you know, mostly wood coasters back then, that's how old I am, but the Comet has always been a favorite of mine, uh, when I go to Hershey Park, 
you know, I tend to want to ride that more than any other coaster there. You know, it's because of the nostalgia and the memories and things of, of going there with a lot of uh, friends back in the eighties. So I'm super excited about this. I think the trains look spectacular. Um, I did a, a story on my, uh, my theme parks by Don blog today about this. And I cannot, uh, you know, wait to see these trains on the track and it, it definitely, uh, you know, puts Hershey park on the board as a, as a destination for me next summer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's funny. You mentioned the diamond plating, uh, all the PGC trains, the new ones have that. And I think that just looks so slick. It looks like they're chromed out. It's probably, it's, I think it's more for like a slip state safety thing than it is about like making it blingy, but ah, man, it looks so good, especially when it's all shiny and stuff on the, on the floor. Now, one person online did point out that it's getting individual lap bars as opposed to buzz bars, which, you know, for a lot of people, change. yeah, that's, that's going to be a change, but man, if anything, boy, did it get good looking trains. I mean, come on. All right. Great trains. Great trains. Let, let's move on. So this is another one that I'm excited about. So Silver Dollar City uh, unveiled the train for Fire in the Hole. Uh, for those of you who are from our neck of the woods, it's almost identical to Blazing Fury at Dollywood. But um, the new trains are made by RMC, Rocky Mountain Construction. Uh, and it's going to be kind of a newly done immersive indoor dark ride. And it's going to open on uh, in March of 2024. And this... This might have one best looking new train for me. This one or another one that we're going to bring up that's really fun. But oh my gosh. I know I, I texted you earlier, Don, asking if you had seen the trains. Uh, did you get the opportunity? I had to not at that any? time. Oh, uh, so good. I saw it on social media. I got, you know, as I, I was busy today, I'd published three different blogs. So after I got done with those, I got back uh, onto X and started scrolling through and seeing the different, um, you know, things that were being announced today. And the trains definitely caught my attention. You know, they, they look fantastic. Uh, first of its kind. Um, you know, again, you mentioned this is going to be an immersive indoor coaster opening in 2024. So this is another place, Ryan, that I know I have to get to next year. What about you? Um, honestly, Silver Dollar City has been on my bucket list just ever since Time Traveler. Um, that That's a bucket list ride for mine. But I, uh, this is going to push me over the edge of making it out to Branson, Missouri to, to check that one out. Uh, hate to, to betray Dollywood as my Hershen park, but mm, that train looks so good. And I'm so excited about the project too, because I love blazing fury and I'm glad that they're keeping it. I don't want everything modernized, but for them to modernize this one with RMC track and trains and just something a little bit more fun or not more fun. Let's, that's not fair to say, but something a little bit, uh, more modern, uh, is the, that's so exciting. All right, let's move along. Well, now we move on to another one that, uh, you know, I'm super excited about. You have been uh, excited about it, and we've talked about it on this show. It's Good Gravy, uh, the gravy boat-shaped coaches. They were revealed at IAPA today uh, alongside Vacoma Rides. Uh, you know, they're with them. This ride, it's, you know, I, I just smile and, you know, kind of giggle every time I think about it. I just really love everything that Holiday world has done with this um you know just so much fun with the theming of it um the trains are gonna look great they fit right in with the theme uh so i really enjoyed seeing the reveal of these today yeah i mean um these trains i uh, they're up there with uh fire in the hole is you know some of the best looking trains to come out but hats off to vacoma for making this work 
uh, because they literally do look like gravy boats. And <laughs> I mean, that's got to mess with the airflow or something like that. I mean, I'm no engineer, but I feel like it would be a little bit more difficult and they'd have to stop and think about it a little bit more. But uh, yeah, what an exciting ride. I, I can't wait to ride that this coming spring at Holiday World over there in Santa Claus. It, it certainly makes it unique to Holiday World, doesn't it? Right. When you have something that is custom made like this, you know, you're riding a Holiday World coaster when you're in it. Or if you see the pictures, you're going to be able to identify without even seeing the name of the ride or anything anywhere. Oh, that's Holiday World just because of the way the trains are shaped. Completely agree. You know, uh, they're on to something. You know, and it's, uh, you know, they were talking about in their own podcast about how they got picked up in Seattle and L.A. and stuff like that because it was just such a fun and funny story. But um, really looking forward to that one. Okay. Um, What's next? What is next? So Sally Dark Rides shared deal details exclusively unveiled um, an interactive animatronic for its latest dark ride, SpongeBob's Crazy Carnival Ride, during a live press conference during the IAPA trade show. Um, that's really cool. I, I always, Sally Dark Eyes is one of my favorite companies because they always have the coolest booth. Mm -hmm. Um, like, uh, one of the ones that I remember them having is a, uh, like a big bird that they made for somewhere in like the Netherlands. I, I can't remember what park I went to. It wasn't in the United States, but it was like one of the most convincing things that I remember ever seeing, um, was the big bird. But what are your thoughts on like Sally Dark Rides, Don? I really like what they do. They're a lot of fun. You know, the different uh, dark ride, you know, that they've done that I've gone through. I've enjoyed them. Uh, but you're talking about just the display and everything that they have at IAPA. I mean, they just have so much fun with it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree that they do. I think it's uh, I think what they do is fascinating. Um, if I had to work for a manufacturer, I think I would want to work for a dark ride manufacturer. And that would be the one to work for uh, because they seem like they are the ones that as far at least the for the very creative. Yeah, they're creative. Um, and it's like, I, I feel like a lot of enthusiasts don't think much of them because a lot of their local parks have Sally Dark Rides and they're not all that great or, or whatever, but they'll they'll work to whatever their budget is. So, I mean, this Big Bird thing that I saw, you know, and I'll hopefully I'll find a picture of it and be able to put it in here, but it was the most realistic thing that I had ever seen. And it was just an absolutely incredible. But, uh, yeah, I remember last year spending a lot of time at their booth and just, you know, really being impressed with just, like I said, the, the attention to detail, the different things they had out on displays, um, you know, and they had a crowd around them all day long. They, they, like I said, they definitely have the most interesting booth because they always do a reveal of an animatronic. I mean, when it comes down to it, you've got roller coaster trains and stuff, but you, you know what it's going to look like. You know, seeing it in person, obviously, is kind of surreal in some cases. Um, and you and I went to several reveals, especially like the cheese car for the Wild Mouse at Sear Point and uh, Zambezi Zigger Train. And those were really cool. But with an animatronic, like they get it up and running and stuff. And like, that's that's so neat that that you get to have that experience. But uh, congratulations, Sally Dark Rides. All right. Moving on. One of our favorite manufacturers uh, amusement ride designer Skyline Attractions. They were awarded the best new product award today uh, during the IAPA Expo in Orlando uh, for its Spaghetti Bowl Children's Coaster. Now, this highly anticipated attraction recently debuted at both Six Flags Fiesta Texas and Six Flags Over Georgia, stubbed Kid Flash, 
cosmic coaster at both parks. Uh, the Skyline Attractions installation offers a single rail style track system that features trains on a pair of tracks with intertwine and a crossover and under each other. I think it's, uh, you know, it's a fun, fun looking ride. Um, of all the rides that were opened this year, that's the one I've been most excited about because it's a new product. It's from people we know and we like. And that Aurora lighting package, oh, uh, seeing photos of that actually yeah, in I, action, oh my gosh, it looks so good. Yeah, I saw a different night ride, you know, photos of it from both Fiesta Texas, what they put on their uh, social media. Jeffrey Siebert, you know, has been sharing a lot of photos when it was testing and after the opening. Uh, saw a lot from Six Flags Over Georgia. Um, just looks like the type of coaster that every park needs. Yeah, I mean, how can you deny that? It's um, it, it, so what it is is it's a racing single rail coaster, and it, it's a junior coaster, but it does two laps, and each lap isn't terribly short. So it's a really good family ride or transition ride or something. But forget that with the light package on it, they call it Aurora. It's got LED boards mm -hmm. on the whole track, and that you can retheme it to Halloween, make it Christmas, make it uh, show your parks logo, show whatever the event is. Just the possibilities are so incredibly endless um, that I, I, I've talked to different people. A coaster with versatility. Yeah, I love a, that. A yeah, a coaster that can retheme itself essentially. But I've talked to some people, and I would say most people are excited. Um, there's a small percentage say like, yeah, it's gimmicky or whatever, but I, I don't think anyone would feel that way if they actually saw it in person, especially. I think that, um, this is something where putting lights on the coaster is going to turn a lot of heads and you're going to see other manufacturers, uh, take a stab at doing that. So, uh, you know, yeah, I saw some comments about it. The only negative thing I saw was, you know, so, oh, you know, they could have put in a giga or they could have done, you know, they always want that kind of thing to those I say broaden your horizons and, you know, take a ride on this coaster. I think you'll love it. I I really hope it works out for them. Um, Skyline Attractions uh, has pulled them. Obviously, you know, they had their Morpheus coasters that didn't work out for them. And they've done a lot to change them and stuff. But, um, it, you know, a lot of them are involved in GCI stuff and Titan track and all sorts of stuff like that, which has kept the company together. But um, you couldn't find a better group of people. Uh, I, I feel like everybody in the industry is rooting for these guys. Uh, I really hope this product works out really well for them and for Six Flags and so on. So congrats to to Jeff, Dan, everybody involved with Skyline, all the people at old Six Flags, not Cedar Fair Six Flags, but the over Georgia and uh, in Fiesta, yeah. Texas. So congratulations to you guys on opening these new rides and taking the risk on Skyline. Um, you've got to have a winner on your hands. It's If anything, it looks so good. So I want to see a Giga with the light package on it. Don, make it happen. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm definitely going to be visiting Six Flags over Georgia next year. So I'll get to experience uh, a ride on it, you know, hope to get to Fiesta, Texas as well, you know, in the summer, I, I want to go when it's as hot as it can be, you know, so I'm looking at July or August there. So, um, you know, want to, want to get to both parks and, um, you know, add my credits, I guess you could say by, by riding both of them. Um, you know, when you look at IAPA and what this event is, it's really like the Super Bowl for the industry. Wouldn't you say? I would say it's, it's a mixture of things. It's the Super Bowl for the industry. It's 
uh, a rookie pitcher's first pitch in the industry. It's uh, a college player first time running on the field in the industry. Uh, it's the Pro Bowl in the industry. It's so many things at once simultaneously. But yes, the Super Bowl of the industry would be one of the many monikers that I think we could give it. Yeah, today as I was you know going through and doing um, some you know stories on my blog about you know what was going on at Hershey Park with the Comet, uh, Cedar Point with their uh, reveal today, and I, I was thinking you know if only I'd had the blog launched last year when you and I were there, just how many different stories I could have written uh, just during that week that we were there. You know, I'm getting the stories now by just seeing what's, you know, being announced that and then just taking information, write my stories off that. But it has me excited, you know, for, for the future to get back down there. And, uh, you know, you, you could just compile so much content, you know, if you're a, a journalist uh, for the industry by going to this event. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and it's funny because you you always feel like you missed out because, you know, we just listed four or five. And I mean, and this is Tuesday night, full disclosure. It's the day before we normally record. But Tuesday's the biggest announcement day. And we've got like five that are just fantastic. But um, last year was no exception, nor was the year before that and so on. Last year, we saw the unveil of the train for the pipeline coaster, you know, um, for the surf coaster that is at SeaWorld Orlando. So it was the first time people see, saw that. Uh, Zambezi Zinger, uh, which was one of only a few uh, Infinity Flyer trains. So we got to see that. Uh, we got to see the cheese car. That was one of my favorite parts for uh, for Cedar Point. Love you that. You know what's funny is I've I've sat in the che- I sat in the cheese car at Iapa, and I've only ridden the Wild Mouse once, and it was in the cheese car. So I've only ridden the coaster once. But I've been in the cheese car twice, if you think about it. <laughs> and then the Wildcat uh, at Hershey Park, we saw that train reveal last year. And we really, I think I remember both you and I, you know, being really excited about how the front of that train looked uh, with the Wildcat on it. Yeah, it's a debate between, I want to say, uh, Gravity Group or RMC as to who has the better fiberglass guy. Because some of these train designs are just insane. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, I wish I'd had, uh, you know, theme parks by Don blog blog uh, launched last year because there's just so many, you know, great stories out there. And, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, go, scrolling through Twitter and that and looking at everything. And, and I really feel like, you know, you and I missed out by not going this year. Yeah. And it's funny because up until the night before he left, David, our business partner was like, are you sure you're not coming down? You should come down when it's like, no, dude, I, I've been to Florida like five times this year. I, I can't make it. But ne- next year we got to go next year. We got to go. We no, might- I mean, for me, it was, you know, I got the trip to Hershey planned. I'm, you know, this week I've got next uh, week. I'm going to be in Tennessee. You know, the week after that, I'm going to be somewhere else. The Bengals games, you know, they got two home games in December. So uh, I'm going to go to some Blue Jackets games. So just travel wise, it just wasn't um, something that I could fit in this year. Well, we're going to have to fit it in next year. Okay. Well, I tell you what, Don. So, Ayapa, totally exciting. But let's move on to a listener question. Why don't you read it this time? Yeah. All right. We have... uh, This one comes from Dave. And he says, I'm an ACE member, which is the American Coaster Enthusiast. I want to know how you think 
the merger between Six Flags and Cedar Fair might impact enthusiast events like Coaster Mania and Coaster Stock. And he says, with all the budget cuts done by both companies, should enthusiasts be concerned? Very good question. You want me to answer this? Ryan, your thoughts. <laughs> well, I think you'll have a rather your unique thoughts. perspective, of course, but uh, I don't think you have a whole lot to be concerned with. Um, we've seen budget cuts before, uh, and it's never forever because it, honestly, it's not consumer friendly because if you cut a little, people may not notice. If you cut a little more, people may not notice, but you start whittling it down. And at that point, people really notice, and it gets very difficult to kind of turn the product around from that point. So there is a bottom out for budget cuts, uh, before it just becomes just poor business decisions in general. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry about that. Um, I hate to break it to you, but the ACE thing that they do, whether it's Coaster Stock or Coaster Mania or whatever, it's not necessarily a charity. The park benefits from it, whether it's the social media exposure or even the price you pay. Sometimes they'll make a little on that, but word of mouth and stuff like that. None of that's changing. So I, I wouldn't be concerned that all of a sudden there is no value in having enthusiast events because there's a reason why the parks do it. And it's not because they want to throw money away. Um, but I'm going to hand it off to you, Don, because you have experience, a, much, a lot of experience with, uh, you know, coaster stock and so on. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I don't think there would be a mandate that goes down, you know, the chain saying no more coaster events. I don't think that would happen at all. Um, you know, it has been and is now always up to the individual parks what you want to do. You look at Six Flags Fiesta Texas. Uh, they have a three-day uh, enthusiast event that they do. Um, coaster stock, two days. You know, Coaster Mania is a big day. Uh, I don't think those would go away. I think it would be up to the individual parks, you know, how long they want to continue with those events. It would be up to other individual parks if they want to launch a new event and start doing that. Uh, so I, I don't think because, you know, there's a merger that it's going to come across the board. We can't do these things. I think it's still going to continue to be up to each individual park what they want to do. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and to dispel a lot of the fears that people have in general, I don't think that your local park is going to be substantially changed. Even if the merger goes through, let's say it goes through halfway through next summer. I don't even think the following year you're going to see major changes. It was different when Cedar Fair bought Paramounts and they had to debrand the whole thing and they didn't have the rights to Nickelodeon and they had to insert. Yeah. And especially the Paramount movies. I mean, you it's, you know, they came up with the ride names that I still think were kind of ridiculous and only a couple stuck around. Um, but I don't think that people have a lot to worry about. I think that the short term with the budget cuts and stuff like that, to me, is far more concerning about what's 20, the rest of 2023 and 2024 going to look like rather than what's the future of the company going to look like as far as budget cuts are going to, are, are concerned. Um, I think that ultimately the parks are kind of, kind of operate as they did. Uh, and we discussed in the last episode, what we think the positives were of the merger, obviously, you know, it, it could be a situation where it's, it's a lot of debt and stuff and they need to cut budgets and you see it as a guest or whatever. But when they're merging, they do save a lot of money. There's a lot of SGNA costs that are saved. So, um, hopefully that frees up capital for them to do more things like events and adding new rides and adding food options and hiring more people and so on. So very, very good question. Yeah. And we talked about it, you know, uh, last week on the attraction group podcast that 
um, you know, I feel that, you know, if the merger goes through, you know, it's a good thing for the parks. It's going to be a good thing for the guests. You know, I'm optimistic because it costs the same. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it, the next question we're going to get, we're, we're going to see quite a bit of is, so this all park passport, is it going to get me into all the parks and what's it going to cost? Um, I think that next year, it's not going to get you in all the parks, no matter what. Um, because they'll have to come up with a plan, but I think it's going to be a interesting balance where on one hand, most people only use it for one other park. So it doesn't really matter how many parks it goes to. But on the other hand, there is a lot of added value to the fact that this all park passport gets you into like 18 or 20 new parks or, or whatever the number is for your particular situation. Um, I, I don't think the price is going to be that different. I think that it'll be a hundred to $150, uh, to add that on. Uh, but to be honest with you, I think that the whole system that they have right now where you get a pass and you have an all park passport and stuff, I think it's stupid. I think it'll go away. I don't think it'll last. I think you'll have your gold pass and then you'll have platinum. And you know, if you, you have people that are dumb enough to get prestige, then they'll still get that. But I honestly think that, um, there'll be tiered passes, but I don't think the prices will be astounding. The really interesting thing is if the Cedar Fair Parks are going to adopt all those benefits that the Six Flags people get for their Diamond and Diamond Elite or whatever they are passes. That's what I'm interested in. That's uh, a really good pass program they have with Six Flags in terms of the benefits uh, that you get. So it would be nice if they, you know, they do. And, you know, like I said, this hasn't gone through. But if it does, you're going to take the best practices from from each company and incorporate that i remember you know remember at the uh, um the traction podcast meetup we had uh, this this past weekend at entertainment junction one of the questions we got was you know with the budget cuts what might be one of the first kind of things we see and i remember i, I kind of joked and i said the first um thing you're going to see is the the six flags guests are going to notice it first because they'll probably get rid of straws and cups i mean straws and lids <laughs> because you don't have those at the cedar Fair park so um you know i don't know i think there's a lot of you know, there's always that knee-jerk reaction when anything like that happens. Uh, but I'm excited about the future uh, for Six Flags and Cedar Fair, you know, should this merger go through. And I just think it's going to be, you know, just in the in the long run, just really great uh, for the parks. And it's it's going to add a lot of value uh, for, for the guests that go to the parks. Yeah. Any way that they're saving money by not taking things away from you is them making money, uh, which in turn is freeing up capital for investment. Okay. Very cool. Hey, uh, so we're going to end this episode now. Um, so thanks for listening. Uh, make sure that you stick around for pick six, which is going to be uploaded as a different podcast, but, uh, yeah, stick around for the pick six.